Stand with me for our gospel reading from Matthew 2. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened. And all Jerusalem with him, and all calling together the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where this Messiah was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it was written by the prophet. So then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for this child, and when you have found him, bring me word so that I can go pay him homage. When they heard from the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went that same star that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening up their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another way. Friends, this is the word of God for you, the people of God. And so now, gracious God, in these moments, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of all of our hearts together in this place and in all places be found pleasing to you. O Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Every year, I love seeing what the search engine Google shares about their top trending searches from the past year. Google gives you this bird's eye view of what has been on people's minds over the past year all across the world. What were people searching for on their phones and tablets and computers? And this year was no exception. In fact, I wonder if you can guess this morning what the top searched word was of 2022. Any ideas? Y'all have talked to some people in the early service, haven't you? (laughs) It was Wordle. Could you all believe that? The top searched word of 2022 was Wordle, this daily word puzzle game that we became obsessed with on our phones where these little green and yellow squares would pop up asking us to guess the five-letter word of the day. All of a sudden, it popped up all over social media. I think we had a staff Wordle championship. Wordle took over. (laughs) Now, Close behind were searches maybe of more significance about Ukraine and Queen Elizabeth and election results. But then as you view the Google year in search presentation, it's 
filled with videos and photographs and different moments from the past year, you discover that there's an overarching theme of our online engagement over the past year that actually is about something much greater than Wordle. Because people all across the world found themselves asking Google questions about change, about new ideas, new possibilities, new ways forward. It's as if COVID gave everyone a new lease on life and permission to start over again, to reimagine ourselves. And so we typed into our cell phones and computers things like, how do I change after COVID? Can I change my career, my style, my hairdo, my health, my outlook? And how? How can I be more spontaneous, people asked. How to be more positive? How to be a better friend? How do I quit my job? People asked Google. How to start over? How to move to another country? How to travel? How to create change? And as these questions scroll across this Google presentation, I'll put it on our Facebook page later so you can see it, you see these incredible videos in the background about all of the moments of change that the world has experienced over the past year. For instance, you see footage of one of Queen Elizabeth's last speeches, and she's saying in the background, change is a constant The way we embrace it defines our future. You see Lizzo receiving an Emmy Award, saying, When I was a little girl, all I wanted was to see me in the media. And then it's followed by countless videos of black little girls seeing a preview of The Little Mermaid and squealing with surprise and delight when an Ariel pops onto the screen who looks just like them. You see footage of protest in Ukraine with a reporter saying, I've never seen this kind of courage before. They're fighting with all that they have. You see actor Troy Kotzer the first deaf man to receive an Academy Award for Best Actor. And as he signs his acceptance speech, he raises his trophy and he says, this is dedicated to the deaf and disabled community. This is our moment. And you see footage of NASA astronaut Jessica Watkins making history as the first black woman to travel on an extended mission through space. Finally, all these videos close with this picture that took our breath away in 2022 of never-before-seen footage of the nebula in outer space, dedicating the video to everyone who sees not what the world is, but what it can be. It's this beautiful, poignant reminder for us that change is possible. And better yet, that change is happening. 
and that our world, or at the very least our Google searches, might just be tilting toward change in ways that we haven't been able to see from our own limited vantage points. I think today's text speaks to this capacity for change because of the change we see in the Magi and what happens at the end of the story. But first, I want to dive into the Magi because I'm fascinated by them. Because traditionally, we have been taught so many things about them that just aren't true or aren't in Scripture. For instance, most of our nativity scenes put the three wise men at the manger where Jesus was born. But notice Matthew tells us that Jesus was a child when the Magi came and that they came to see him in a house and not at a manger. And we often see depictions of there being three of them. We sing, we three kings of Orient are, but we actually don't know how many there were. We know that they came bearing three gifts, but that doesn't mean there were three. We also don't know that they were all men. A more recent scholar actually believes that women could have been among the magi that we read in Matthew's gospel. Because in the Middle East, it would have been considered very inappropriate for men to be in the presence of a woman without her husband being there. And interestingly, the phrase, the child and his mother, appears five times in Matthew 2, but we don't hear mention of Joseph being there at all. And it would have been very abnormal in this culture for all men to be visiting with Mary without Joseph. So it's not out of the question to think that it At least some of the Magi perhaps could have been women or other gender identities. And lastly, they weren't exactly kings either. Magi were known to be skilled in astronomy and interpreting dreams and fortune-telling and magic. As Nadia Boltz-Weber puts it, they were like magicians and not the cute kind that you hire for your kid's birthday party. More likely, she says, they were pagan, tarot card-reading astrologers. And yet our history has made them out to be kings because the reality that they were magicians is perhaps a little too distasteful since no one wants to think that the weird fortune-teller lady from the circus with her scarves and crystal balls would have been the first to discover the birth of our Lord. And that brings up another powerful point. The Magi were outsiders. They were people outside of all of the boundaries you could conceive of any kind of traditional faith. And yet, once again, they point us toward what this life of faith is all about. And one of the things I am especially drawn to about what they teach us is how they respond Once they have seen the Christ child, once they have found him, they are changed. And the text tells us that they decide to go home by another way. They can no longer be in cahoots with King Herod, who they know very well wants to kill this miraculous child they have found who just might be the savior of us all. They can no longer do things that they have always been done. Something about the Christ child has given them a new permission, a new outlook, perhaps new courage that they needed so that they can seek out a new road, a new path, 
a new way of going about things. And so I wonder, as we approach 2023, how that same Christ child might be calling us towards some kind of change. How do we need to try to make our way home another way, like the Magi, because the way we've been going about things just doesn't seem to work for us anymore, or for our community or our world For instance, how do we need to change how we take care of this planet, of this beautiful world God has entrusted to us so that it will continue to be home for those who will come after us? How do we need to change how we take care of ourselves, not running ourselves ragged and becoming the most stressed out, exhausted, worst versions of ourselves but instead to live with intention and clarity and boundaries and focus? How do we need to change the ways we care for our neighbors and our community? Maybe you have encountered the Christ child through our partnership with La Casita in December or Kentucky Refugee Ministries or Highlands Community Ministries or Sweet Evening Breeze, all these groups that we partner with here in Louisville How do we want to engage with them in a deeper way, in a better way? We've been in this long, long overdue moment of racial reckoning in our country. And as Maya Angelou once said, do the best you can until you know better. And when you know better, do better. Highland, how do we need to change and do better this year? How do we need to go home by a new way, discerning which of our practices and traditions that we want to hold closely and which of them are no longer working for us or for our community? How can we seek out new and innovative ways of creating a world where justice and love are abundant? How do we need to throw out the maps and the charts and the guidebooks that have always worked for us but they don't work anymore so that we can find our way through uncharted territory instead. Now, of course, I think the Magi make this seem a lot easier than it is. They go home by another way, period. (laughs) End of story. We aren't given any more information in the Bible about what happens to them next, what their thought process was that day, what their journey back home is really like. If Herod comes after them when he discovers that they have deceived him, what risks they take or privileges they give up for going against King Herod, what happens next? We don't know. But I think our own experiences tell us that going home by another way is never easy. We know all too well that change is hard. And more often than not, we don't like it. We like doing things the way they've always been done. We like routine and comfort and familiarity. Interestingly, I said these words about the difficulty of change in Friday church this week. And the entire room shifted. I heard these audible responses in a way that I've never encountered at Friday church before. 
And I think it's because you can ask anyone in the recovery community and they will tell you about the difficulty of change, of really making a long-lasting change. I love how Richard Rohr puts it. He says, addicts, which I'm convinced are all of us in one way or another, have an intense resistance to change. We like predictability and control. That's one of the reasons addicts find it easier to have a relationship with a substance rather than with people. Because unlike objects, people are very unpredictable. Having a drink, making a purchase, turning on our devices can change our superficial mood in an instant. Even though the mood shift doesn't last, it makes us feel like we are in control for a while. We've got all this figured out. We don't have to change our way of thinking, our way of relating to people. We don't have to sit with our discomfort, our grief, our anger, whatever it is that we're feeling inside, which then short circuits our ability to move beyond whatever is in our way. But he says, in the process of healing and gaining sobriety, salvation becomes not just something we believe, but something we experience. Because salvation is being changed. And Jesus was an agent of change. And so when the Magi experience Jesus, it's no wonder that something about them changes too. They are not the same people that they were when they arrived. They don't have the same priorities and passions. They go home by another way. Writer Kelly Corrigan spent a year studying change during COVID when everything about our world our everyday lives, was completely changed. She said, just because we know what to do to change doesn't mean we actually do it unless it is thrust upon us. So she got curious about how change happens for a person or a system, a team, a culture, a company, a planet. And she set up interviews with all sorts of people, with a philanthropist, an athlete, a Rhodes Scholar, an addict, a climate scientist, a triple amputee, a teenager in the midst of a gender transition, and she asked each of them about how they had experienced change in their lives. What did that look like for them? One of her interviewees, someone who had experienced sobriety after 15 years of drinking himself to sleep every single night, summed up all the conversations quite well. He said, no matter how far down you are, no matter how hopeless you feel your predicament might be, there is always hope. There's always even one small action you can make to change your reality. We get wrapped up in these romantic stories of dramatic change that make us think that change happens easily and overnight. But that's just not how change works. 
Change happens in these micro-adjustments that you make consistently and over time. It's not about the destination or the person you're trying to become, but what you're doing every day. Or if I were to put that in my own words, words that you will hear me say often, perhaps change is about taking that next brave step forward. One day, one moment, one step at a time. And so the question is, what will that next brave step be for you as we begin this year? As the work of Christmas begins, as our choir will sing these powerful words by Howard Thurman. And when there is no star to guide you, like there was for the Magi, what will we do then? Thomas Troger also writes a beautiful text that responds to this question. And I think these are powerful words for us to consider on this Epiphany Sunday as we seek to take our brave steps forward into the new year. And so we are actually going to invite you to remain seated as we sing this song together and reflect on how the Christ child might be inviting you to go home by another way in 2023.